we have got an awesome conversations with creatives for you uh, in this episode. We are super excited about our guest, Alexa Heinrich, uh, who's a social media manager at St. Petersburg College in St. Petersburg, Florida, and a social media digital accessibility expert, uh, which is what we really had her on to talk about. Uh, Michelle and I have talked about doing an accessibility episode for a while now because it is something that is hugely important to reaching your entire audience, but it's something that gets often overlooked. And um, we wanted to have the right person to come on and talk about this. And we were really fortunate enough that uh, Alexa wanted to jump on with us. And we had a really interesting conversation and we think you're going to step away with some really tangible ideas about how you can pay closer attention to accessibility in your work, why it's important and some concrete steps that you can take to make sure that you're reaching your entire audience. We've said this about so many of our conversations with creative guests. We feel so fortunate that we get to learn from these experts, but I feel like of everyone that we have had on, I learned the most from this conversation. I really knew nothing about this topic. I felt pretty ignorant going into this. I think I even said to you, I'm like, man, I feel really unprepared. Like, I don't even know what kinds of questions to ask, but I feel uh, empowered after, after talking to Alexa. And I hope that our listeners will, will feel the same way that they'll realize that not only is this really important for us to pay attention to, but to realize that it's a lot easier than we think. It's not something that uh, needs to be a burden and that in the long run will benefit all of us. Totally. So we're glad you plugged in with us. Thanks for taking us along. Here we go. Conversations with creatives, Alexa Heinrich. Hi, I'm Michelle, an entrepreneur and creative business coach. Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a social media and digital content strategist. We're friends with a shared passion for creativity in all its forms. Through this podcast, you'll find ideas to help up your game and share experiences with a community of creatives who understand what it's like to work and create in a digital world. If the episode you're about to hear sparks something inside you, share your voice by connecting with us on social media, at pod4creatives on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I wanted to start off by talking about something that you had tweeted out yesterday because there's been sort of a, a, a push that's been that's been taking place on social lately of people who work in social media, social media managers kind of standing up for themselves and, and, and really, you know, shining a light on what they do with some level of pride. And you had talked about how you were really proud of, of seeing those in social kind of doing this because contrary to popular belief, we're not all interns and, you know, we're, you know, we're not just, you know, sitting around killing time all day. But it struck me as, as really interesting because of the nuance in your role, specifically your knowledge around social accessibility because your role is not just making sure that something gets seen and embraced and, and, and understood and engaged with, but there's, there's a level of making sure that it's available and equitable to anyone who might be cons consuming that piece of content. Um, talk a little bit about how you sort of got into this role, your, your knowledge and interest in it, um, and how it is vital to audiences uh, across the spectrum? Sure. So I previously worked for a college system in Chicago. And part of my job was uh, adding like banners to our website. 
And my digital strategist asked me, hey, can you add alt text to the banners when you put them up? And I just kind of, this is a few years ago, I kind of looked at her like, what what are you talking about? It's just like, it's, it's so if the page fails, the text will tell someone what should have been there. It describes the image. Well, we, we couldn't add alt text to them. It wasn't a capability for the platform we were using. But I, I was so curious about this that I started doing more research around it and realizing, oh, this, this is a thing for social media too. And that was my primary responsibility within that institution. So I started doing more research around like how I could be more inclusive with the content I was putting out. And that's how I learned about like camel case for hashtags and that emojis all have descriptions and how to add alt text to images. So it really just kind of led me down that path. And as I researched it more, I realized how many brands and organizations don't make that effort with their social media, which to me as a human is, is sad because we should be inclusive But then as a marketer, it it just blows my mind because at the end of the day, as a marketer, you want to reach as many people as possible with your message. So why would you knowingly leave out this huge chunk of the population because you're not taking that extra step to make your content accessible? So that's kind of how I got into it. And I just, I haven't stopped yelling about it since (laughs) I learned about it. You sort of started to get at this, but as a broad-based definition, why is accessibility so important today? For me, I always tell people accessibility is a small part of a larger objective, which is to make the digital landscape and digital communications inclusive for everyone. So, you know, we're in the middle of this huge racial equity awakening for the well part of the country it's an awakening part of the country is like yeah we we knew about this but you know we're trying to be more inclusive we're trying to be diverse and include everyone in the conversation and i think that digital accessibility for social media is part of that conversation you you want to make sure that your message is reaching everyone but also that people feel heard they feel seen they feel represented and that's what you know. accessibility for social media does. You're including more people in the conversation by doing this. What is the reason that more companies aren't making this a priority? Do you think it's, it's an ignorance or do you think they know about it, but they're just being lazy or something else? I think it's a two-part thing. I had a little bit of a conversation with some of my Twitter followers about this earlier today asking if you haven't implemented uh, best practices for accessibility, what is holding you back? And a lot of it is not the social media manager necessarily having no knowledge about it. It might be their stakeholders or their leadership and they're just not investing in it for them. So it's definitely an educational thing. I will tweet things out about accessibility and people are like, "I, I didn't know that. So that happens a lot. And then I do know that with a lot of people, it's either they don't have bandwidth to do this stuff or they're a team of one and they're trying to schedule all this content and it's just one more thing to do or it's just they feel that it takes too much time. I can imagine that, you know, if you're working in sports or politics where everything is fast, 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 
this might be something that you think, oh, okay, that's just going to slow me down. So yeah, it's, it's a little bit of everything, but education plays a huge part into it. Do you feel like what some social networks have in terms of tools to help towards creating accessible content leaves a lot to be desired at this point in time? Yes, it's, it's certainly better. Twitter has noticeably been making more of an effort in recent months. They finally just made it automatic that everyone can add alt text. You don't need to turn their feature on. They, um, there was a, a Twitter user today. She does a lot of like the backend development of programs who realized, oh, Twitter is testing this like pop-up you get when you change your Twitter name. Like maybe you shouldn't put special characters in there. So they're trying to make more of an effort. They acknowledged the fact that they need to do better when they did the audio tweets release because that was a big problem. Mm -hmm. A lot of backlash because they didn't think about accessibility for their beta testing. So they said, yeah, we need to do better and we're going to do better. And they seem to be making more of an effort. But like... Instagram's API doesn't allow uh, third-party platforms to add alt text. So like if you use Hootsuite or Sprout Social, if you schedule Instagram posts, you can't add alt text. So that's an issue. That's an issue with Facebook. Facebook makes it difficult to post pictures and add alt text. So there's definitely things that these platforms could be doing to make it a lot easier for users to be more accessible with their content. I know it's harder to do this on a, on a on a podcast like this, but a lot of people might not understand what a screen reader is or does or how it sounds on the other end. And I'm not asking you to do an impression of one, but can you talk about what that process is like when for a user with a disability, when content is not made accessible, how that could be challenging? Sure. So screen reader is inclusive technology. Uh, you'll hear me talk about uh, text-to-speech technology a lot, which is the information that it ne- it t- basically takes data and turns it into a read-aloud description. So our our smartphones have accessibility technology. I have an iPhone, so I have VoiceOver, and I turn it on a lot just to test content. And if you have a tweet with an image with text on it, and you don't add alt text to describe the image and read that text that's on the image, you're literally going to hear image, possible text, horizontal, something like that. And that tells the user absolutely nothing. When you have emoji, I kind of touched on it a little bit that every emoji has a description assigned to it, even the custom skin tone ones. So if you have a bunch of emoji in a row, all of their descriptions are going to be read aloud by the screen reader or the text-to-speech technology. So it's just kind of like things like that where when you create content, you have to be more conscious about the order you put your your content in or what kind of content you're putting out because this technology is going to translate it very differently for someone who's using it. In the work that you do, because you you do work for a college, and also in your work as a as an expert in this area, do you have kind of a protocol that you follow or steps that you go through every time you put a social post out? 
for for me, I just know like my big five when it comes to accessibility, like the easy things that I know I can always, always do, I kind of run through. So first and foremost is, do I have emoji? If I have emoji, they get thrown to the end of my content and I don't go overboard. I top out at like three. Hashtags, I always make that make sure that they're in camel case and if possible at the end of the content as well because the screen reader or text-to-speech uh, program is defaulted to say hashtag, you can turn it off on your phone. If there's images, I know I got to put alt text on there. If there are videos, I have to make sure that it has closed or open captioning, which is why I like to just link to YouTube because I can do the closed captioning on there and people can choose if they want to use it. And then I, um, the fifth one's really easy because I just know I don't use it. I don't use any of those like fancy Unicode characters that you see a lot on Instagram now mm-hmm. because they can't be read by uh, inclusive technology. They're pretty, but if someone has text-to-speech technology and they're using it for Instagram, they're not going to read any of that. It's just going to skip over it. It's going to be a giant blank in the content. What a miss. Plus, I yeah. think, I don't know. I know that you have a design background as well. And I don't know, to me, I love fonts and I love typography. But every time I see those, they're not super appealing to me. I think that the, in, the interface is meant to be clean and it's yeah. kind of distracting from the message. It, it never really adds anything for me personally. <laughs> I'm a huge typography snob <laughs> and I just think they're so tacky looking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're, they add any aesthetic at all. So no, I don't understand why people use them. You used a word before that I didn't know. Camel case. Is that what mm. you said? I don't know what that is. Can yeah. you explain it? So that's when you have a hashtag. So let's say um, I have the hashtag social media rocks. Camel case is capitalizing the S in social, the M in media, and the R in rocks so that it appears as three words. The text-to-speech program would use uh, spaces or capital letters to denote individual words. So the capital letters will tell it to read it as social media rocks and not some weird amalgamated word that no one would understand. Um, you can do it to your Twitter handle as well, which is why my Twitter handle hashtag Hey Alexa is capital H, capital H, capital A. So it reads it properly. And that's so simple. Like, yeah, that doesn't take time. Because of, yeah, just because of the whole, oh, it's a bump and a bump. So they called it camel case. It's like, OK, makes <laughs> yeah, it makes, makes total sense. I would <laughs> never think to name it that. Working in public education like I do, accessibility came onto our radar because uh, we partner with a school district uh, up here in New York that received uh, an office of um, civil rights uh, uh, complaint filed against it. Uh, And uh, it was starting to become, well, (laughs) I got to watch my words because epidemic is not really the right word to use anymore, but it became very widespread. And Mm -hmm. we saw a lot of our districts that we work with start to get these complaints. And we realized very quickly that, you know, we were ignoring something, not intentionally, but we were ignoring something that we shouldn't be addressing just to fix the problem. You know, if it wasn't a part of our strategy to begin with, to reach our entire audience and all meaning all, you know, what were we doing? So for, you know, people who, again, who are looking to sort of, who might not have been paying attention 
to accessibility needs. What are some concrete steps to, to kind of take that first step? And you talked a lot about a strategy a little bit before. How big of a part of that is is what you're doing to ensure that you are uh, following through on, on accessibility? So a big thing for me, kind of what I touched on earlier, is educating um, not only my peers in the marketing department, who they're all very well educated at this point, but educating different stakeholders at the college. So faculty, staff, deans, provosts, the president, about why it's important because then they are able to supply me with better content when they want to promote their programs or their events. I am, I'm very well known for giving out the email, the pushback when I get a flyer for an event with the request of put this on social, <laughs> just saying, you know, I, I appreciate the flyer. I will use it to pull information. Um, but I'm going to create a Facebook event post. I'm going to create an Eventbrite post and then I'm not going to use the flyer and I explain why. I'm I'm always very polite about it and usually the people at my college are very good about understanding like, oh, that makes total sense. Plus, I always lace in there like, hey, if we have an event post, then people can click it. They can RSVP. They'll get the reminder from Facebook. So that usually helps. But I'm really big on just educating others because we are a place of higher education and education speaks to them. So, but again, I'm, I'm very lucky to have understanding colleagues and coworkers who are totally on board with what I'm doing. So that's, that's huge for me, but then just planning out content ahead of time so that I do have time to, you know, add good alt text in there that's descriptive and makes sense to make sure that all my, you know, hashtags are camel case. So just planning ahead really helps me, um, make sure that the content is accessible. It seems like you're really leading this movement and I have never seen anyone really like speak about this, at least in my social circles. So it's, it's, this conversation has been like really enlightening for me, but what made me laugh is what you're describing is definitely helping people with disabilities, but I feel like it's just good web practice also, like something Mm -hmm. just you know, where people may want to send something out like a flyer or a flat image or an attachment to an email and not thinking about how that's probably, they're not getting the most out of it, especially when it comes to things like reminders and links. So I feel like it's it's just an added benefit for all of us to kind of let's just like assume that everyone who's reading our content uh, may have a disability. Exactly. And I, you know, as marketers, especially as social marketers, we always have that call to action. And, you know, with a flyer, it's like show up at the event. Well, (laughs) if you have a Facebook event post, it's like, hey, RSVP before this time, register for the webinar. So just you have better content that's more accessible. It's also more actionable. So that's kind of, again, how I help position it to a lot of my colleagues if they're kind of like, well, why should I care about this? Well, it has also, it has other implications to what you're trying to promote. Have you ever reached out to any of the big networks, Google or Facebook or Twitter with your feedback since you're like, you do so much with this. I'm sure you have a million comments and suggestions for them. 
I I tag one of them at least once a week in like a thought or feedback. And I'm always I'm always polite about it because I'm always conscious of the fact that there's someone in my position behind that account. Um, so I never want to be abrasive or rude about it. But um, and, and people we've brought it up with like um, Sprout Social about, hey, why can't we add alt text to Instagram? And they said, well, it's the API. We we can't we can't get around that, but we keep an eye on it. So now when people bring it up like, hey, Sprout, where's our alt text for Instagram? I'm if I see it, I'm like, well, actually, they've already said they're waiting on the API to change. So, but yeah, I I just tagged Instagram today of like, can we please like be able to put our handles in camel case instead of you forcing them into all lowercase? Because I would really appreciate that. It's such a small thing. And well, the nice thing seems, about camel- I'm, I'm sorry to cut you, but it yeah. seems like an aesthetic thing more for Instagram because of the nature yeah. of the platform. But but you're isolating an entire population. Yeah. And my other big thing with camel case is, yes, it makes it more accessible for, you know, this inclusive technology, but it just makes it easier to read for literally everyone. <laughs> like visually, it's it's easier to read. So I'm like, can we please stop forcing my hashtags into lowercase? It takes me forever to type them out because you're always tricking me. <laughs> if you had your way and turn some of the major social networks that exist into more accessible platforms, what tangible things would you do with them to make them more in line with what needs to be done for users with disabilities? I think the biggest thing that I would do is make sure that every platform has a dedicated uh, accessibility, diversity, and inclusion team, and that it wouldn't be people like me. I do not have a vision impairment. I don't have a hearing impairment. At the end of the day, it really does not impact me. It, these teams should be made of people who are actually affected by accessibility best practices. That would be my biggest thing because I was horrified when we kind of found out after the audio tweets Thing was released that Twitter does not have a dedicated accessibility team. They have volunteers who work for the company who have said, hey, we'll kind of make this our side project. And they're passionate about it, but that's not their actual job description. They've just kind of signed on for it. So I think that would be my, my big thing with all of these platforms and even the third party uh, platforms that we use for management of like, you need to have teams that are dedicated to this. And those teams need to be made of people who are affected by this, this kind of best practice. Yeah, I really like that. I think sometimes we we get into thinking sort of closed minded about how it should be based on what we think. And we're completely turning a blind eye to people who are actually in those roles. I was, I was pleased to see, I know, I think it's at the end of this week that, that Twitter's doing a, like a, I don't know if it's a round table or a panel discussion, but around, uh, Thursday? yeah. Thir- yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited about jumping on that. It's basically a, a, a forum on, on, uh, user experience, uh, with, from people with disabilities or, or people who use it, thinking about it in that capacity. So, you're right. It all goes back to education and it's just about trying to up people's games in those areas. And, um, I mean, what more could you ask for? 
one of my friends on Twitter today pointed out something really good to me with, you know, I said education, it takes education. It, it needs to be from bottom to top. So it's not just the digital team and the marketing department who are educated about this leadership at uh, companies and businesses and organizations need to be invested in this as, as well in order for it to be successful. So that's kind of my big thing is, yeah, your digital team should be educated, but so should your CEOs and your CMOs and your presidents. They they need to understand this topic as well and why it's important. Is there anything that you feel like you want to do more of kind of like long-term as a champion on this topic? Well, before the pandemic, I was actually accepted to speak about digital accessibility in regards to education at my first conference that would have been in April. Um, But then there was a pandemic. So I, I really want, if it ever, if, if it's ever a real thing again, would love to, you know, break into the conference circuit and talk about this because I, I think it's important. And I think a lot of marketers would benefit from learning about it. And I think conferences would be a really good stage for that. But I'm happy to do, you know, podcast appearances and more speaking engagements like this, because this, this is fun and new for me. And I like being able to educate others about this topic. And I was more than happy to uh, be on the podcast and talk about this. And I was really flattered when you reached out and asked me to do this. So I thank you for having me. And oh, we, thank you. We know we're going to see more of you. You're really well spoken and you have such an important message to share. So I will be very excited to follow the rest of your journey. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at pod for creatives and let us know which stood out to you. Hope you're well. Keep in touch. What is this, a yearbook? Oh, you make one yearbook joke on the show and all of a sudden it's your thing now? Well, I haven't really heard keep in touch and like, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure she would love to keep People in who touch. have real jobs say keep in touch. Oh, okay. I wasn't wise to that. Now you know. <laughs> in case I ever get a job, I'll know the when first get, thing to say. When you get one, you'll be telling everybody, <laughs> keep in touch. <laughs>